Yo, yo, yo. Oh, you sucker MCs ain't got nothing on me. From my grades to my lines, you can't touch Kevin G. I'm a mathlete. So nerd isn't bird, but forget what you heard. I'm like James Bond the third. Shh, shh, shaking, not stirred. I'm Kevin the poor. The G is silent when I sneak in your door. Make love to your woman on the bathroom floor. I don't play it like Shaggy. You'll know it was me. Cause the next time you see her, she'll be like, oh, Kevin G. Thank you, Kevin. That's enough. Happy holidays, everybody. What's up, guys? It's me, Justin, back with another episode. So good to be back, and I'm glad y'all are joining me again. So it's another good week, new episode, new week, same guest. We'll introduce her in a second. But I hope you guys are doing well. I see all around the country COVID cases are rising, so I hope you guys aren't sick. Um, if you are, make sure you drink water or whatever they tell you to do if you have a case of corona. Actually, go to the hospital. <laughs> Actually, go... <laughs> Actually, go to the hospital if you feel like any type of symptoms. Let me give y'all proper advice. But um, yeah, like I said, it's a new week. Happy to be here. If you are new to the show and you love what you hear after hearing this, make sure you give the podcast five stars. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you tell a friend to tell a friend. Um, as Brianna said last week, you know, this podcast is a black business. I know everybody likes to support black businesses now. So definitely feel free to support the podcast as well. I really do appreciate it. So like I said, new week, same guest. Steffi is joining us again this week. Hi, Steffi. Hello, Justin. Hello, Polar Opposite listeners. I am back, ready for an interesting conversation. Yeah, it'll it'll definitely be an interesting conversation. Sefi was always planned to come back for another episode, so I gave her like three different options on episodes to come back on, and based on which one she felt strongest about, that's the one we were going to go with. So the main topic for this week is one that Sefi was like, I think this one is the juiciest out of all of them, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so here we are. So um, Sefi, how are you doing? It's been a while since we heard from you. How is everything in California? I really, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like, honestly, with this whole like coronavirus situation, it's strange. I feel like I'm being consistently gaslit. Like I know the numbers are rising, yet on the off chance I do go outside, you know, to do like a, a random grocery run, uh -huh. I, I see people not wearing masks, and I'm just like. What's happening? It's funny because I feel like people think that Corona is over just just because Trump is like trying to diminish it a little, not talk about it as much. But it's still here and it's also getting worse. Oh, yeah, totally. And like because, too, I just feel like people are tired of being quarantined and mm -hmm. it's summertime and they want to go out. And like especially here in California, like people want to go to the beach. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like, oh, no. But it's really interesting um, today or well, the other day, Disneyland was supposed to open, but they've now postponed their opening and they don't know when they'll be opening back up again. Right. So I, I thought that was, you know, good for Disneyland to do that. But right. Because I don't know. It's the worst place to go to. Like any like crowd of people with more than 10 people, I get nervous. So going to yeah. the grocery store is always like I feel like I'm bracing like for warfare or whatever. I got my mask on. Yeah. I got my <laughs> gloves on. I got hand sanitizer ready to spray people that come too close. You know, 
It's scary. Right. It's scary out yeah, here. Yeah, it is. But I've been, every time I go to the grocery store, I'm always, like, waiting for, like, a white woman to come too close to me so I can finally, like, give her a piece of my mind. Isn't that oh weird? My God. <laughs> so, Are you anticipating, like, a Karen? Yes. So I even rehearsed what I would say. Do you want to hear what I want to say? Oh, yeah, of course. Okay, so if a Karen does come up to me, and if she doesn't have a mask on, this is what I've prepared and this is what I've rehearsed. Ma'am? You don't have the decency to wear a mask in my presence. At least give me the respect of six feet, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I like that ma'am. That really got my attention. Maybe I won't say the B part, but I'll say everything else. (laughs) I'm not that bold. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the message comes through loud and clear. So if I was a Karen, I would like brace myself for impact. Yeah, because these people are acting like a mask is a personal attack. You literally cannot mandate somebody to wear a mask knowing that that mask is killing people. It literally is killing people. And my, the people, we the people, are waking up. And we know what citizen's arrest is. Because citizen's arrests are already happening, okay? And every single one of you that are obeying the devil's laws are going to be arrested. They want to throw God's wonderful breathing system out the door. You're all turning your backs on it. And ma'am, as a doctor, I really have many question marks about your degrees and what you really know. Because what you say is the political dogma that they're trying to shove down our throats on every commercial and every store. And it's disgusting. I know. I know. It's ridiculous. Oh, goodness. I feel like that was my off my chest this week because I don't have anything. (laughs) (laughs) Because I actually don't have an off my chest this week. Steffi, do you happen to have anything to get off your chest this week? I mean, hmm, I, there is something I could talk about, but it, it's concerning a particular show that I want Justin to watch. Oh, is it Killing Eve? I feel, yes, it's Killing Eve, not the show itself. So should should I just like get into it? Yes, as long as there's no show spoilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. So there's a show, everyone, that I've been recently Um, watching and I'm all caught up it's called Killing Eve I highly recommend if any of you guys aren't watching Killing Eve like you should definitely do that it's a really really great show okay so anywho Mm -hmm. at the very end there's like at the seat like the season three finale that's the most recent episode so there's there's something that happens between two characters and it's concerning two characters that people really want them to like get together Hmm. and the season ends and it's like a very like cryptic ending like it's open to interpretation what it means and um so after i watched it i was like oh my god like this is amazing i can't believe i'm all caught up and now i can go on the internet and like start start like you know engaging in like conversation and i won't be scared if i see the words killing eve online <laughs> like i'm not really like, oh, oh god spoiler like because it's like a really like y- this is a show you do not want to be spoiled mm. like it's there's a lot of like twists and turns so it's like great i'm at this place now in my killing eve journey i could engage online right and like i go on twitter and like like apparently oh god how do i how do i explain this okay so like one of the care like one of the actresses was asked on an interview about that ending like what does it mean what does it mean mm-hmm. and she said something that implies maybe a not so great thing happened Uh-oh. and um the the fan base of this part of these two particular characters that they want to get together they got like so 
mad at her. Wow. Like, that's the first thing I see on Twitter. They, they're, they like, attacking her to the point where they're, like, calling her homophobic. Wow. And I was like, whoa, this is really, this is really intense. This so is I too feel much. Like, yeah, it's, like, it's a very intense fan base that I, I was not aware of the passion. I hope that doesn't scare you away. It's still a really, really good show. Then it's not like they're going to attack me if I don't like the show. Or maybe if I voice no. that publicly, that might be the case. <laughs> They might, they might find you. Right. <laughs> I mean, oh I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them. But I mean, like, I, I, I was just like so taken aback that they would go that far to attack the actress and call her homophobic. Because like what she even said wasn't homophobic really in any way. It was just like, yeah, I don't think it necessarily like works out or, you know, something along the lines of that. And people just got like really, really mad at her. Wow. So <laughs> it's funny <laughs> it's like, that. Oh, Lord. It's funny because Steffi was previously on the Stan episode and now we're discussing <laughs> crazy stands. Full circle moment. I know I'm bringing it back, bringing it back. Love it. Just love like, it. Lord. But I will definitely yeah. watch Killing Eve. Like there's so many shows and movies that I need to get to. And with this quarantine and everything, I have the time mm-hmm. to do it. So when I do it, I will let y'all know. And I will also let Steffi know as well. Because <laughs> you definitely feel like I feel like you have some things to say and you want to have it back and forth. So we will definitely talk yes. about it. If you ever need a Killing Eve <laughs> one-off episode, I will be your girl. And we yes. can have a really interesting conversation. Justin, I honestly feel like you should watch it. Because Justin, as we all know, he's like a thespian <laughs> experience. Yes. What was your special award that you got in high school? Okay, um, my award that I won. Well, I never... Mm, did I win anything? Yes. Okay. I never actually won anything in high school, but I got nominated for the high school equivalent of the Oscars in Texas. Well, there we go. Yeah. There we go. Three times. Three times. A three-time nominee. So, Justin, I feel like you would appreciate like the acting performance. Uh, oh, definitely. I saw a little bit. Show. I saw a little bit of the first episode, and I was like, "Yeah, this is a show that I will like. I just need to. <laughs> I just need to be in the headspace to finally watch it." totally totally you like you like ease into it for sure but mm-hmm. like once you're in you're like ooh, here we go honey yes so. can't wait but i will i will yeah. definitely let you know when i do and also mm-hmm. i'm terrible at doing introductions i said that steffi is joining us i never allowed her to tell y'all who she is oh. what she <laughs> what she does like y'all just heard steffi i'm like who's this <laughs> so steffi well, tell the people who you are what you do Um, If they didn't hear your first episode. All right. Well, everyone, my name is Steffi, and this is my second time here on Polar Opposites. And yes, I made I made a round two. I got a call back. So (laughs) Um, but yeah, I mean, I have a YouTube channel called In My Humble Opinion, and I cover a lot of things in the pop culture realm. I feel like a lot of people primarily know me for my reaction and review videos. Um, Speaking of Killing Eve, I literally just finished watching Killing Eve on my channel. So that's why I'm in a very Killing Eve headspace right now. But um, I have that. And then I also host a podcast called Diva Dailies. And that's a podcast where we deconstruct divas on film and TV. So yeah, that's pretty much my my spiel. Okay, okay. But also, Steffi, I think it's important to give people more background. So if you guys don't follow the podcast page, whenever Steffi came on for the first time, she had a picture of what she looks like. And some of y'all might have assumed that she's black <laughs> also also um if you don't follow the podcast page and you just listen to her episode you might assume that she's white so Steffi, yes to stop all of the gossip clarify what exactly <laughs> your i guess 
um, I don't know what to say, demographic is or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, plot twist, I am neither white nor black. I'm actually full Filipino. Mm-hmm. So that just pretty much threw a, a wrench in that whole um, situation. Right. <laughs> and I thought it was important to say that just because the main topic for this episode is important for y'all to know that right off the bat. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it'd be problematic if we were talking about specific stuff in Asian culture and people like, why is this white girl talking as if she <laughs> knows what... <laughs> As if she knows what she's talking about. But this is this is her um, credentials right here. Yes, here we are. Yes. I was born for this conversation. Yes, I can't wait to get to it. Can't wait. Um, oh, Lord. Okay. Before we get to that, I have a couple news stories. So okay. the first one is, Steffi, I can't tell whether or not you are a bachelor girl or not. But in the wake oh, okay. of Black Lives Matter... Um, people want to capitalize on blackness. It's amazing to be woke. Um, whenever you're woke, that's more, I guess, profitable these days. So in order to capitalize on that, it seems as though the people at ABC and at The Bachelor have finally decided that it is time. It is time for a black bachelor. After 40 seasons and 18 years on the air, The Bachelor franchise has announced that Matt James will be the first black bachelor. The new bachelor, Matt James, joins us now. The announcement was made Friday on GMA. The move comes after Rachel Lindsay, the first and only black bachelorette, condemned what she called the franchise's systemic racism. ABC Entertainment said in a statement, We know we have a responsibility to make sure the love stories we're seeing on screen are representative of the world we live in. This is just the beginning, and we will continue to take action with regard to diversity issues on this franchise. Ooh, okay, so that's really interesting that you bring up The Bachelor, because there was like a period of time where I watched like uh, like maybe two or three seasons, but the last season I watched was when they had their first black bachelorette i believe her name was rachel Mm -hmm. and that was honestly the last season i watched because i was just so traumatized by the person that she chose i wanted her to choose the well i mean like not because like the guy that she chose was bad i just liked i preferred her second option compared to who she ended up going with and after that like it was like such her season in particular when she ended up choosing the guy that she did people were like making memes out of the moment like people were like rachel the wind was telling you to say no because her like hair was blowing in one direction (laughs) (laughs) it was it was really bad so after her season i like stopped watching because i was like i cannot put myself through this like they just keep choosing the wrong guys so um but that is interesting that they're they're choosing uh they're going with their first black uh bachelor because i mean i feel like that franchise is very white Mm -hmm. Even if they do try to sprinkle a little color here and there. Right. Um, you know, it's a very white, heteronormative show. It for is. Sure. It is. And I don't know. I've never liked it. I don't know. I'm not into shows like that. I feel like this is pandering. And the reason being, mm. The Bachelor has been on for over 20 years. And now they feel that they want to, like, have a black bachelor. And I just think that it's it's just fake. Because considering what's going on in the country, everybody knows that Black Lives Matter is now trendy and now it's popular. So now it seems like they just want to piggyback off of that and just have a black bachelor. Because I'm not, right. I don't watch The Bachelor, but people tell me, like, the way casting works is that the person that didn't end up, you know, marrying The Bachelor that was a contestant on the show is the one that they yeah. groom to become the next bachelor. 
bachelor or bachelorette. So mm-hmm. in this person's case, he was never like a contestant on the show. He was like a friend to one of the bachelors from my understanding. So it's like oh, they're not even following okay. their own rules. And they just said, hmm, a black person that's closely associated with somebody we had on the show. Why don't we make him the bachelor? You know? Yeah. Interesting. Because even though, like, I don't watch the show, I pay attention to pop culture stuff. So I was interested when they had that Rachel girl that was the first black bachelorette. And I looked at the ratings because I was like, with this white show and this white audience that loves the show, how were the ratings affected by having a black bachelor? And it didn't really affect the ratings at at Mm. all. So I wonder if, you know, the ratings will be affected this time around. And also if they ever branched out and had an Asian bachelor, how would that affect the ratings? Because I'm telling you, Steffi, people will be rioting. (laughs) what is this what is this this is not (laughs) oh my gosh wow yeah you know what that's actually interesting that you bring up um the eight like a potential if they were to ever bring on an asian bachelor or bachelorette because i i feel like there was one particular season when they had a woman who was of Asian descent. I'm not quite sure if she was like 100% or like even what specific like Asian group she was. Mm-hmm. But it was between like her and another white girl and the bachelor contestants or like, you know how they like bring in a group of guys to the house? Yes. Well, this is what normally happens. So they bring in a group of guys to the house and they had like the Asian girl and then the white girl. And then it was like the first time they ever did this, I believe. And they gave those guys the power to choose like who do you want to be your bachelorette oh wow and then the white girl ended up winning wow wow see yeah look at that i'm pretty sure like that was i'm pretty sure that's what happened but i do know that there was like a conversation at one point between like oh maybe like we could have like an asian girl and then like that didn't happen wow of course it didn't (laughs) of course i just feel like the bad i don't want to call them out and say that they're racist but for 20 years and you know only white people have been on there i just understand that the bachelor is just not meant for me and that's okay i don't watch it anyway so i don't really care but for those people that are fans of it it's not for us and that's okay Mm, i guess right right you know yeah 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 but it just goes to my hatred of reality shows in general (laughs) because i used to be a big you know watcher of big brother and big brother is this reality show yeah steffi knows steffi knows (laughs) but the uh not the bachelor big brother is a a reality show on cbs where it follows young people that are you know propped up in a house that they have to stay there and they do competitions um anyway they always cast like one or two black people and the rest of the cast is white and then in every Mm -hmm. season this is always the case they find some kind of arbitrary reason to get out the black cast member and it's so annoying because it happens every year but nobody ever speaks up about it and it's like racism and it's supposed to be this social experiment to show that how people are always otherized and how people gang up on the person that's different from them so it just annoys me and I just hate it because in you know pop culture and in reality tv it's always seems to be like that Right. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I feel like a lot of reality TV tends to be, or well, hmm, I don't know. I would have to think about that. I was going to say, I feel like a lot of reality TV tends to be white, but there are also reality TV shows that are like specifically like, you know, black Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. But it is also interesting to think about like the reality shows that, okay, let's say in this case, do specifically focus on black people Mm -hmm. how they portray them in said reality shows you know what i mean so yeah yeah i don't know 
I mean, that's a, that's a whole other conversation. It is. It is. That could be a whole different thing in itself. But that is a good point that you did bring up. But for you guys listening, I don't know if my listeners like The Bachelor, if y'all watch that. If you do, what do you think of The Bachelor? Who is he going to choose? And if he chooses a white girl, are y'all going to get mad? Because <laughs> oh, the Rachel chose a white dude. And people, yeah. there's this in the black community, there's this whole argument about, you know, black men and never wanting to, you know, marry somebody of your own race. Um, so mm. it'll be interesting what the conversation ha- will be if he just choose to end up with somebody that's not a black woman. So woo, we Ooh. shall see if there's a see. Yikes. I don't know how they're going to do that with Corona, but we'll see. Let me ask you, did you have any stories or anything that you saw that you wanted to bring up? Um, I mean, I don't know if you like want to like briefly discuss that Britney Spears. <gasps> yes, please do. Because <laughs> Justin sent it to me on Instagram and I saw it on Twitter, but then he also Instagrammed it to me. But um, Britney Spears, I don't know why she posted this the other day, but she like. <laughs> I don't know why she does um, a lot of things. <laughs> I know. It's just like, what's happening? But she posted the other day just like a video of her like, you know, just being really proud of pride and the lgbtq community and mm-hmm. her message was very um interesting yeah um, well, <laughs> didn't quite make sense i don't know if you like want to put it in i will i will insert a clip here y'all go to all my friends at the lgbtq community happy pride month you guys bring so much heart passion and articulate everything you do because of you i've had the best nights of my life I love you so much, it hurts. Happy Pride Month. Baby, be quiet! You see, like she, like not only does she not sound right, but just looking at that Instagram video, um, she's wearing a strange outfit, and then I notice her teeth for the first time. She has gaps oh. in her teeth that I've never seen before, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> and her makeup is looks smeared and smudged. And I would, on the behalf of this podcast, I would just like to usher in a courtesy check of the mental state of Britney Spears, you know, because. <laughs> How can I have a podcast that, you know, sometimes delves into topics relating to mental health, but not want to question, you know, what I see on the Internet? And I think that honestly, not to be funny, she really I think somebody needs to check in on her. Oh, yeah. I mean, I always like worry for Britney, like post 2007 when she like, you know, kind of lost it there. But um, especially in yesterday's video, it's just like, oh, it's you know what what it is for me? It's always in the eyes. Mm -hmm. Like her eyes have just like never looked the same post like that psychological breakdown. Yeah. Yeah. I just I worry for Britney. I, I really do, too. Do. <laughs> I do, too. Oh, man. What do you think it'll take to get the paparazzi to leave you alone? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Is that one of your biggest wishes? <laughs> yeah. It's okay. I would like for them to leave me alone. Not that I, because I'm not one that like really cares about celebrities or whatever, but as Mm -hmm. a human, as a fellow human, somebody that I see gets, you know, hounded by the paparazzi and has kids, young kids, I feel for them. Yeah, I, I agree. I completely agree. But leave Britney alone. That's what I'll say. I know. Leave, leave Britney alone. Leave her alone. <laughs> Stop. Oh, You're lucky she even performed for you bastards. Leave Britney alone. Please. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, 
but yeah, we just had to throw that in there because mental health does matter. I know May was Mental Health Month, but mental health should always be emphasized year round. So hopefully Brittany is okay. Yeah, praying for Brittany. Yeah, praying for her. Always. 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 <laughs> Please. So the time has come, you guys. We have finally arrived at our main topic. So this week, Steffi and I are going to be discussing the myth of the model minority. So y'all might have heard that before. Steffi, why did this, you know, t- episode topic affect you the most, I guess? Hmm, I feel like the model minority myth, I guess we can call it, mm-hmm. especially in light of like the Black Lives Matter movement, I feel like that idea has been becoming more relevant as of late. Um and, you know, obviously, like, especially as an Asian American, that piqued my my interest. But I feel like also personally, too, I mean, to, to get on this podcast to kind of engage with that idea of um, the model minority myth, I, I found it interesting because I feel like that's kind of always been um, like an internal struggle that I've had with myself mm. um, in terms of like how how Asian am I and all of those really relevant questions yeah yeah for sure like I I honestly like even after I said yes there was a part of me that was like questioning like if I'm like the right person to discuss this Mm -hmm. because I'm not quite sure if and like it this seems like so silly to like vocalize but I'm I'm always questioning if my Asian experience is like quote-unquote valid or wow. if like you know this is something that would even speak to if like other asian people would like more or less, relate like, to you it. know kind of like yeah ag- agree or relate mm-hmm. so i'm just like you know a well, little a little nervous but i mean like it's good it's good this is a good this is a good topic okay yeah that, and that's to be expected too because no one person can ever be the one example or the one representation for the collective you know because steffi Absolutely. is filipino we know with other asian cultures there's chinese there's japanese there's all different types with all you know different complexities and different things that they deal with within their own group so of course i don't expect steffi to be the representative for all asians she is an asian woman and stuff that she's dealt with a lot of asian people can relate to but she's definitely not the spokesperson for all asian person (laughs) this is definitely just her experience in relation to the theme of model minority exactly but I will, for those of y'all that like model minority, Justin, why are you just coming up with all these weird phrases and stuff? So in case y'all are (laughs) out there thinking that, the myth of the model minority is based in stereotypes. It perpetuates a narrative in which Asian American children are whiz kids or musical geniuses. Within the myth of the model minority, tiger moms force children to work harder and be better than everyone else while nerdy dads hold prestigious but not leadership positions in STEM industries like medicine and accounting. The myth characterizes Asian Americans as a polite, law-abiding group who have achieved a higher level of success than the general population through some combination of innate talent and pull yourself up by your bootstraps immigrant striving. Woo! That's a lot. That is a lot. (laughs) That is a lot. But (laughs) that is a lot. But y'all, that's what it is. That's what it is. So it's a myth. Um, It's obviously not true. Steffi, why do you believe that this is a myth? Hmm, I feel, well, I mean, like, that's such an unrealistic expectation to put on a group of people, Mm -hmm. you know? And I feel like, I mean, in relation to what's happening now, especially with the Black Lives Matter movement, like, a lot of 
the model minority creation was in response to um, like the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of perpetuating this idea of like anti-blackness and really like used as a way to pit racial minorities against one another. Yeah. Which puts like Asian people in like, you know, an even more like precarious situation. Mm -hmm. Like it's kind of like if they can succeed, like why can't you? Exactly. You know, for me, I kind of come at it from like, and I and I feel like you would probably relate to it too, because like you said, like you're you're Nigerian, but it's kind of like that that immigrant perspective. Yeah, you know, like our parents coming here to the United States to quote unquote, you know, make a better life for themselves, make a better life for their future children and the generations that come. But yeah, I mean, I totally agree. Like um, a lot of racial minority groups have benefited off of what this country put African-Americans specifically through. Mm -hmm. And then it's really unfortunate when, you know, kind of like what we said earlier, they're pitting minorities against one another in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just, it's just a really messed up system. It is messed up. Talking about it makes me so mad, but in the definition I brought up tiger moms. So Steffi, what is a tiger mom? It's this basic idea of like um, an Asian woman who really pushes her child to the brink mm-hmm. for them to to succeed. A tiger mom is an Asian American mom that holds her kids to really, really high standards. The most important thing is being smart and doing well in school. If it's an A minus, why don't you get an A? Um, or if I got 100%, she'd be like, Was there no extra credit points? Typically with like academics, but this could also apply to extracurricular activities. Mm. And then, you know, the child in turn feels a lot of pressure Um, because I feel like specifically within Asian culture, we're a very like collectivist group and there's a really intense devotion to to the family right right? you don't want to disappoint the parents and then when you put that immigrant slant to it that i feel like that like you know when you hear things like oh we we sacrifice so much for you Mm. and all of that like you just really don't want to disappoint so when you have those different things coming at play it makes for um a really um intense growing up experience yeah so Steffi has a youtube channel guys and oftentimes she features her mom and your mom doesn't strike me as a tiger mom but obviously i cannot infer seeing a little (laughs) 10 minute clip of her and seeing to think that i know her obviously and obviously she's not going to be a tiger mom in front of the youtube audience but growing up would you say that your parents or your mom specifically was a tiger mom what was your experience with education with following the model minority status I guess I don't know if I would necessarily like categorize her as a quote-unquote tiger mom Mm -hmm. but there was definitely all always an expectation that you need to do well in school you need to do well with your extracurricular activities um you know kind of always hearing whenever like I would not necessarily like get a bad grade, but if maybe I showed signs of like, oh, I don't really want to go to. So I was a dancer growing up. So if I said something like, I, I don't want to go to dance today, it was always the retort back to that would be, but you know, we spend so much money on this and we're sacrificing so much for you. Mm-hmm. So you kind of like, you know, feel this pressure like, oh my God, I need to like 
get my shit together essentially right. so mm-hmm. um but there was yeah i mean i yeah there was always that pressure that expectation like you need to do well and i feel like for me specifically that was heightened because like you know i'm a i'm a woman i'm a female and i'm an only child too so it's right. not like i have like a sibling that i could like look left look right to and be like well you go ahead, brother, <laughs> sister. You got this one. It's right. like, oh no. All the eggs are with you. Oh, <laughs> you are the basket that holds all the eggs. Oh. So yeah. And that pressure is hard for me to relate to because I have an older sister and I have a younger brother. I'm the middle child. So I it's oh, hard. Okay. For, yeah, it's hard for me to, you know, relate to that because oh, I don't know what I would do if my parents put all this investment into me as an only child mm-hmm. to be successful, especially with being born in America as a first generation American born. I would feel right. like I owe everything to my parents to do whatever they say and to, you know, make their dreams come true whatever dreams they put into me i feel pressure to accomplish that and if i don't i would feel like a failure so you is that oh yeah that's what you felt like oh yeah 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 totally i feel like even gosh i feel like that's a feeling that will honestly stick with me pretty much like for the rest of my life because you you, i mean like this stems from like you love your parents so much right Mm -hmm. and you don't you don't at the end of the day it's like you don't want to disappoint but at the same time like especially as you get older you start developing your own ideas of like what you want to do mm-hmm. what success looks like mm-hmm. and you know um growing up there may have been a particular plan and then if you like deviate from the plan normally i feel like you know people that's okay but in asian culture specifically i feel like that's a really really difficult conversation and path to navigate well what is the plan for you know typical like asian parents because i mentioned before that with nigerians everybody has to be a doctor everybody has to be a lawyer and an engineer what is it for like asian parents and what is what, what was it with your parents specifically did they put dreams and goals onto you oh yeah absolutely i mean the plan for me was always to become a lawyer mm-hmm. and i actually i got accepted into law school and I went for a year and then I dropped out so I'm a bad Asian for (laughs) that Um, like I feel like typically with Asians there's expectation to you know like become a lawyer become a doctor I would say for Filipinos specifically um, nursing is a very popular occupation Mm -hmm. that is more or less thrust upon us I mean I I have a lot of friends and I have some family members who when we were growing up they did not want to become nurses and now literally all of them are in a nursing program Mm. so um, you Mm. know that's also an interesting idea in and of itself kind of like seeing people not necessarily like give up what they want to do or like lent to their parents um you know expectations but that's just something that kind of sometimes inevitably happens right so yeah damn yeah that's Uh interesting because even so they thrust onto you that you're going to become a lawyer growing up were you allowed to explore other career options was it always Steffi is our only daughter she's going to be a lawyer and Steffi is just like yes I'll be a lawyer and that's it were you allowed to explore did you want to do other things I feel like that um, idea was kind of thrust upon me at a very young age. I didn't realize until I got older that um, part of the reason why there was kind of this expectation for me to specifically 
become a lawyer, enter into law was because my grandma was, or well, into I'm I'm like like Westernizing this. So <laughs> in Filipino culture, um, the Tagalog word. So Tagalog is like the Filipino language. Mm-hmm. So um, the the Tagalog word is Lola. That means grandma. So my Lola was really really um, really really smart, very much like ahead of her time in that way. And she was someone. She was like the second eldest of nine, and she worked really 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 hard and she took care of her family but she was kind of a woman who was tied down because of her familial obligation Mm. but if she wasn't so much tied down to her familial obligation like she probably would have like become even a judge like she was that like really like really really smart she went into nursing and that's like a great occupation too but she I think she had plans to do other things with her life but unfortunately wasn't able to do that so then when you like jump two generations forward to now the only granddaughter right you kind of feel this like ooh, like obligations very like this is us moment we're having but you feel like this um <laughs> obligation of like oh my god like i kind of feel like i need to finish something that was not necessarily like that was wanting to be started but you know she never she never got the chance to but they don't take into account obviously that you know you you develop your own interests and your own goals and dreams yeah. and i think as an asian person especially you if you don't have that desire to want to do the quote unquote typical professional jobs, especially if it's something like, you know, in the creative arts. Oh, great. Like don't even. You, oh, my God. You feel like <laughs> you feel like you are really taking a gamble. You feel like you are like risking it all. And, you know, people always wonder, like, um, how come you don't really see that many Asian people in the media? Like you're starting to now, uh-huh. but there's a reason why you didn't really see them. And it's because culturally that's um, a field that's not like encouraged for of us course. to go to. Yeah. You have Ken Jeong, who is that, you know, funny Asian guy from the Hangover movies. He is a whole ass medical doctor. And then he made the transition to actor. So I don't know if yes. he even felt the pressure to become something and then, you know, gamble, risk it all and go be an actor in Hollywood. So it's like, man, the extent of which maybe some people have to like forego their dreams in in order to do something practical. I think about that all the time. Yes, absolutely. I, I feel like I remember I listened to like an older episode that you had done and mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, Justin. I think I DM'd you. I was like, that episode, it really spoke to me. Yes. The episode, <laughs> y'all, is called Pursuit of Happiness with my friend Heidi. And isn't she Asian too? She is Asian. She's in dental you school. See? So she's she's following the she's following the path. <laughs> well, good good for Heidi. I mean, like, we, I don't mean to, like, you know, make people who do follow, like, the, the quote-unquote typical path, like, to look down upon them. Like, I mean, that's definitely not what I'm saying. But it's like, no matter what path you choose, you really feel the weight of, like, the the ancestors, if you Oh, I will. know. On your shoulders, you're just like, oh, my God. Like, uh, this is it. It is. We're here. Something that you said, like, bothered me and made me so sad because you know as a man I'm privileged because I don't have Mm. to you know have I don't like calling it a burden but I don't have the burden of having to bear children um for multiple reasons but we'll just stick with genetics for now (laughs) (laughs) but um I don't have that you know responsibility and I feel like for some people they in their lives might sublimate themselves for children you know their desires are sublimated for their what they have to do, what they feel like their responsibility is. And sometimes that is raising children. So you feel like you have to get a jump start on doing other things and your dreams kind of like take a back seat. 
Yeah. Oh, because yeah. I remember Glenn Close, her Golden Go- Globe speech. I'm so nerdy, <laughs> I love y'all. This. She she goes, oh, winning this. I feel like my mom. I remember on her deathbed, she told me, I feel like I haven't accomplished anything. And that broke me because as a woman, she sublimated herself to my father. And women, we have our dreams. We have our desires, too. We have to have our own personal fulfillment. I'm thinking of my mom, who really sublimated herself to my father her whole life. And in her 80s, she said to me, I feel I haven't accomplished accomplished anything. And it was so not right. And um, I feel what I've learned through this whole experience is that, you know, women, we're, we're nurturers. That, that's what's expected of us. We have our children, we have our husbands, if we're lucky enough, and our partners, whoever. But we have to find personal fulfillment. We have to fill our, you know, follow our dreams. We have to say, I can do that. And I should be allowed to do that. And then everybody gave her a standing ovation. Like, it was very powerful. And even though I'm not a woman, those words rang true for me because that is sad. Could you imagine foregoing your dreams in order to raise a family, not being able to do what you want? It's such a privilege being in America. We have, you know, so many options at our disposal. And sometimes people think it's selfish to do what you want to do versus doing what other people feel that you should be doing. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I feel like not even just being in America, but especially living right now, like in this time, like that, like that pains me to hear that, like Glenn Close grew up in that era, you know, when she was hearing like, you know, like that was just like kind of the thing that was expected for women to do during that time. So it's kind of like, whoo, thank God. I'm, you know, not saying like things are like so, so, so much better, but at least, you know, the the expectation isn't as like stringent as it was uh, back then. Yeah, there's some flexibility like, yeah, now. Times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what, like, in dealing with the model minority, going to school in California, um, did mm. you feel like you were a stereotype? Did you break the stereotype? How were you treated in relation to this whole myth of a model minority? Because obviously people think that Asians are just inherently smarter than everybody, that it's in their genetics to be just good at math, etc. How did you deal with that growing up? Okay, so this is where I feel like my, this is when I started to question a little bit of my um, personal validity in this conversation, because for me, I, so I'm from California, specifically Orange County, that's a very predominantly white area, but if you know, throughout Southern California, there are very distinct pockets that are um, heavily populated with Asian Americans, Mm -hmm. but for me, I felt more hyper aware about my quote unquote Asian-ness when I was with other Asian people versus when I was with other white people. And other, (laughs) uh, wow. So other Asian as in other Filipino people or like Chinese people as well? Yeah, across really the whole gamut, but especially like, you know, if I'm specifically with Filipino people, then like the antennas like kind of like go up and I'm like, oh, Oh God, mm. you know what I mean? Because <laughs> uh, I feel like for me, it's it's this constant struggle internally where I I feel like I'm always having to prove how Asian am I to the Asians, and if I like go too far 
and I like really lean into that Asian identity, I may be called like a quote unquote fob, a fresh off the boat. Really? Or, mm-hmm, or if I, you know, maybe, you know, kind of like what you said, like you had a lot of your listeners based on how I talk, they assumed that I was a white person. Mm-hmm. So if I lean too much into um, adopting or just like surrounding myself with westernized ideals, then I would obviously be called like a whitewashed person. Wow. So it's like I always kind of feel like I'm I'm towing the line. Well, why do you why do you feel that growing up did you not have like a lot of other Asian or Filipino friends? Like why do you feel like you don't feel like you're Asian enough sometimes? I feel like so for me, like I think being an only child had a lot to do with it. Um I have a lot of cousins, but most of them were in the Philippines. So I didn't really have other Asian... I wasn't really around other Asian kids too much when I was growing up, mm-hmm. aside from maybe seeing... But even at that time when I was enrolled in some like extracurricular activities and even at school, there was like a handful of us. But it's not like we were, you know, sitting together talking about our our Asianness. It was I was still very much surrounded by predominantly white people. Mm-hmm. But there was a distinct moment when I I changed dance studios and I and it was at a studio and it was at a studio that was located in a predominantly Asian area. And I remember at the time being like, oh this is so cool. Like I've never been around so many Asian people. Mm-hmm. But sometimes certain conversations would come up and they would say like, oh, do you know what this is? Or like, especially if it's I'm talking to a Filipino person, they'll say like, oh, do you understand Tagalog or do you do you speak it? And if I say no, then it's like, oh, you're so you're so whitewashed or, oh, you know what I mean? And like it it hurts me too. like there was this one particular time I remember I was I was at my friend's house and I was talking to her boyfriend and her boyfriend is Filipino. And he asked me like, oh, do you know what this is? And then I said, oh, no, I don't. And my friend's mom overheard and she's Filipino, too. And she she goes, she says to the boyfriend, oh, she's not that kind of Filipino. (laughs) That's heartbreaking. Oh, my God. But then on the flip side, I've had. There was another like instance where in kindergarten I had this experience. It's a very um do you ever watch Fresh Off the Boat? Um, I've never seen a full episode. I just seen clips on YouTube. Fresh off the boat. Call me down now, right? Okay, so this is a moment that specifically happens in the pilot episode of Fresh Off the Boat. And when I saw this, I was like, oh, my God, this is me. But when I was in kindergarten, I brought my my lunch to school and my parents made me, you know, Filipino food. And I remember I opened I opened my lunch and I was very excited. And like some of the other kids around were like, oh, that smells. Oh, what is that? Gross. It's Chinese food. My mom makes Get it out of here. Oh, my God. Ying Ming's eating worms. <laughs> go. Go. Oh, get that out of here. Go. Dude, that smells nasty. <laughs> and I never brought the Filipino food back <laughs> again so to lunch. Sad. I distinctly remember being like, we are going to get Lunchables uh. from now on. <laughs> no more Filipino food. My parents have never brought like a traditionally like Nigerian or Igbo dish for lunch, mm-hmm. but certain things I would yeah. be like, I'm definitely not bringing that because I don't know what it is about these white kids. You, they something that's not a lunchable. They'd be like, what's that? Uh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's so annoying. It's like just because something is different from what you're used to doesn't make it, you know, weird or nasty. Actually, try it. Right. Like I would always bring like chin. I don't know really how to say chin chin, which is like a Nigerian snack. It's like a cookie. Okay. It's like in little yeah. balls, and people would try it, and they'd be just so fascinated. But some people would just be straight up rude. What's that? Like, come on. <laughs> just because it's not a burger and fries doesn't mean that it's not worth being eaten. Come on. Oh, what is? I that? know. I know. Oh. And like kids are like the freaking worst they too are. at that age too. So you're just like, oh my god, this is like my personal hell. It is. <laughs> <laughs> what you said though makes me like sad though because it's like it's not your fault I think part of it is yeah. like being an only child and maybe part of it is like not really being around too many people like you so whenever yeah. you don't exhibit those same traits people look at you like Ugh, she's not one of us and you feel excluded from your your own people yeah see that's the thing I think if you kind of feel excluded from, like, a group of people that's not your own, not that, like, you should expect that, but you're kind of like, okay, that's fine. But when you feel excluded from a group of people that, like, you are inherently, like, in my case, I'm inherently Filipino. I'm full Filipino. Mm-hmm. But to feel like an outsider within a community that should just accept me based on who I am, that's when I'm like, oh, God, like, I don't, I don't know. That's terrible. <laughs> that's so sad. Because in my case, like... <laughs> I know you're laughing, but I think I'm just saddened. Like, I guess maybe this is your coping mechanism. Like, if I can just yeah, laugh I'm like about deflecting it, with humor. <laughs> the tears will not come out. <laughs> oh, oh goodness! No. Oh goodness! But in my case, like Igbo is our tribe in Nigeria. Because in Nigeria, there's like four main tribes. There's um, Yoruba or Yoruba. There's Igbo, which is my tribe. There's Hausa. Um, there's other tribes, but those are like the three main ones. And I'm Igbo. So for me, a lot of people cannot speak Igbo. And I'm just very lucky mm. in the sense that I can not only understand Igbo, but I can also speak it to the point where somebody can understand me like it might be like fractured sentences but if I was transplanted in Nigeria people would know what I was saying and I'm very lucky that that is the case for me but I do feel bad for people in my age range that do not understand it and cannot speak any of it I feel bad and I just uh, I guess it's because my parents made it a concerted effort to a minimum Mm. make sure that we understand it because our culture this is like a whole different segue but it's sad that our culture is like even Eventually going to be erased you know when you go off mm. and get married and if you don't marry somebody within your culture then you you lose your language and it's, right. it's inevitable and it's just sad for me because I don't want language and culture to be erased and it's gonna happen but that's irrelevant to the conversation I don't know why I brought that up <laughs> but I feel like actually that that kind of is relevant to to a certain extent because it kind of um goes off of that idea of like assimilation mm-hmm. When you're, you know, especially with our parents' generation, when they immigrate to the United States, um, I remember when I was younger, my parents never really made like a concerted effort to like teach me the language. But because I was always around adults who were speaking Tagalog with one another, I more or less was able to pick up just like naturally. Mm -hmm. But um, in terms of like speaking, especially, I remember my parents made it a point to tell me all the time to speak really really clear and I don't know if that was kind of like coded language it is quote unquote like get rid of my get rid of a natural Filipino accent but um yeah I mean it it is interesting that's why like it's it's always so funny to me when people say like oh you sound so white Mm. because it's kind of like oh that's 
I mean, like, I'm not faulting my parents, parents, obviously, for like instilling that in me. But it's like, I think they kind of saw that as a necessity in order to assimilate successfully into Western society. And then I also can't help but think like, well, how do you expect an Asian person to sound? You know what I mean? (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Oh, that's sad. I hate that. I hate people reducing themselves and order to make other people comfortable when i was in college i had a hispanic uh, history professor and he was telling Uh me the reason why he can't speak spanish today is when he was growing up his parents made it an effort to not teach him spanish because they didn't want him to develop an accent and they didn't want him to get mistreated because of that and that made me so sad because language is so important to culture and to have that Mm -hmm. you know purposefully not you know taught it it is sad yeah. just to assimilate into a culture that hates you. Ugh. And I'm going to take it I'm going to take it one step further too, at least for me specifically. So I, well, I mean, I don't know how soon I'm going to go back to the Philippines, but <laughs> as of like with recent years, I've been going back to the Philippines at least like once a year. Mm-hmm. And every time I go back to the Philippines, I'm obviously like seeing relatives and whatnot. And there's always kind of this like look of like resignation or disappointment when they kind of see like how westernized I am. Aww. It's like, oh, you don't understand the language. Oh, you can't speak it. Ugh, like too bad. So I feel like like either way, like when I'm here in America, it's kind of like, you know, you're towing the line between how Asian am I? How westernized am I? And then when I go to the Philippines, it's kind of like that same balance, except I feel even more disappointed uh, from the, from the ancestral and- culture it's, it's funny that you say that you felt the eyes and you felt the disappointment because when i went to nigeria all the elders in my dad's village were telling us whatever you do remember that you are not an american you are nigerian mm. please do not marry white and that's what they were oh. telling <laughs> God. That's what they were telling us. So, like, even they, like, see, see like, the future and see what's going to be happening with all the people that are moving to America. Like, the culture is disappearing. Yeah. Oh, it's so yeah, sad. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's, a tough, it's a tough path to navigate. It is. It is. <laughs> In school, did you feel pressure to live up to the model minority? I'm not sure if I asked this question or not. Cause I, I think you might have, but I just did not. <laughs> Maybe I forgot to answer Okay, it. okay. I feel like... um. Hmm. I think I really don't know if my pressure to succeed in school stemmed from the model minority myth specifically Mm -hmm. or if that just stemmed from feeling that pressure at home because I have immigrant parents. Yeah. Um, I feel like I mean, I don't know when when people if teachers were to have that expectation, which I I definitely could. I, I feel like I've seen with other Asian people like they see you and it's very you know, clear that you are Asian, it's like, you know, they expect you to score a certain grade. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if it's like just not me specifically, but maybe in my individual case, like kind of like what you said at the top of the episode, a lot of people don't think I am Asian when they see me. (laughs) Yeah, you don't. Whenever I like first stumbled across your YouTube channel, I always I was like, "What is she?" I thought you were light skinned black. I was like, "She's black. Look at her hair. She's black." And then that's why I that's why I decided to subscribe. So the fact that you're not black, I'm unsubscribing now. So oh my God. I always honestly, Justin, I always feel like like not. I don't even know how to feel when regarding that because like sometimes I do see that people. I wonder if like specifically with um 
my black audience because I, I I feel like I do have a good amount of like black viewers yeah. and listeners for the the podcast and the YouTube channel, but I do wonder if they mainly subscribe because like they thought I was black. <laughs> And then I feel like, is, am I like falsely advertising myself? No, because I don't, no. I don't lead with like, hello, I'm, I'm black, you know, this, but yeah, <laughs> it's not like a Rachel Dolezal right. situation. So, oh, God. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Steffi Dolezal. Yeah, a lot of people tend to think that because of my, my hair, which is, which is interesting. Sometimes I, I, I feel like personally, I don't within Filipino culture specifically, I don't necessarily fit like the the mold of what is thought to be uh, like, you know, the beauty standard in the Philippines because right. we also have our colorism issues oh, as well. And they really admire specific kind of hair texture as well. I'll say, I'll say it like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes I'm just like, ooh, especially when I'm with, because um, I have a cousin who like really like fits that mold and when we're together like people are like so surprised that we're related wow. so <laughs> yeah oh that's look so- at me i'm just like i'm just like <laughs> really laying it in i feel so bad justin's like i feel so bad for you like, for five minutes. <laughs> i'm dead this episode is so funny um oh, i'm cracking God. up this will be fun to edit um <laughs> it is it is um let me see i'm looking at my list of questions let's see let's see what else i can ask would it be drama had you decided to choose like a non-traditional major like in the arts would your parents have been like no steffi no well see i kind of like skirted past that because i double i did a i was a double major so i majored in psychology and then i also majored in creative producing which was through the film school (laughs) this is living up to the asian or model minority double majoring come on I know, I know. And then on top, oh my God. And then on top of that, like I was literally doing 18 units uh-uh. a semester plus inner term. I don't know if like you had inner term at your school, but at my school, there was this thing called inner term where between the fall semester and the spring semester, there was like a month in Jan, you had like the January off typically. But if you wanted to do inner term, they kind of advertised that as like uh, a month for where you can take a class for free, but really it's, it's not free, but it's an opportunity for you to at least like get get a credit out of the oh. way and every single year justin i took inner terms so i was 18 units fall and spring and then i did inner term <laughs> oh you did we call it winter mester oh okay yeah, that's cute okay winter mester yeah <laughs> i like that i like that instead yeah but we definitely have that i i've never done a winter mester class but the one semester that i did decide to do 18 hours i had to drop a class i was like i can't do this so <laughs> It's a lot. So the fact that it's you did it, bravo to you. Good job for living up to the model know, minority. Good Asian. I know. <laughs> what a good Asian. Good Asian. I remember my parents used to tell me, like, Steffi, you will take those 18 units. We did not pay this amount of money for you. Oh, so God. it was like 18 units. Here we go. <laughs> wow. I feel my relation to that idea of the model minority in terms of like thinking about maybe the not so great um, aspects of it is I think a lot of it is psychological. Mm. I think as Asians specifically, we tend to um, internalize a lot of our feelings and culturally we're really not um, encouraged to like speak up. Wow. or express ourselves in any way it's like if you have a problem like you just gotta like keep your head down and like keep like just just work through it 
but usually like by yourself. Like don't complain. I feel like we're a, a culture that, you know, to complain kind of it shows some sort of level of like ungratefulness. Oh. I don't know. I don't know if there's kind of like this like we we kind of glamorize the idea of like the struggle or we just think like the struggle is inherently part of the journey. You uh, know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like it's just like a lot of like internal like okay, I just like I really just got to get through this. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's sad because I was reading articles when I was doing my research and a lot of articles yeah. were saying that because of this whole like myth of the model minority, a lot of Asian students feel pressure to succeed academically and because of because of oh, that, yeah. they neglect their mental health and they are really, you know, negatively affected mentally. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think, you know, it's interesting, though. I feel like with this new generation, um, that idea of trying to advocate your, advocate for yourself and trying to find ways that you can help your mental health in some way, I think that's being encouraged now. But when, like, I was in high school, even, like, that wasn't really... A thing. That wasn't really even a thing. Wow. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, we, had, counts- we had counselors, but no, I don't think anybody even, like use them you know what i mean it was just i don't know yeah exactly i don't know what they I were do doing. wonder too like yeah i do wonder too if it's like i don't know if maybe this is like an asian thing but i wonder if there was like a little bit of like if you were to go and seek help if there would be like shame in the seeking out help you know what mm. i mean like because it would kind of be looked down upon like oh something's wrong little, with you like yeah, like, there's something wrong with you. It's a little shameful of you to, like, you know, oof, something's mentally wrong with you. What's what's that supposed to mean? That might be, like, uh, tied to the idea of, like, the mental health stigma as well. Yeah. But, ooh. yeah. What you said about, like, Asians, like, not really wanting to complain is so interesting to me. <laughs> yes. It is. Because oh I, I, I hate <laughs> relating everything back to pop culture or the Oscars, but... No, 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 that's fine. That's fine, yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's my way, too. Justin, you know me. That's my way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Okay, good. But remember in 2014 with the whole Oscar so white thing, I understood mm, okay. I understood it, you know, because there needs to be diversity. White stories aren't the only stories that deserve to be told. I totally get yeah. that. But whenever they say Oscar so white, it was because there was no black you know, nominees. And I thought this was interesting right. because it always seems like when, you know, there's always a lot of white people nominated and no black people, it's the black people that are, you know, clamoring about diversity. But I always like there's mm. Asian actors too. There's Indian actors too. How come I'm never really hearing anything about them when it comes to representation within the nominations? Is it because they're so right. like not even close to getting represented that they don't even bother clamoring when you no know, Oscar so white happens? You know what I mean? Have you ever thought thought about that yeah no totally totally i mean like i mean you you know me justin mm-hmm. i feel like if any of you watch me on youtube or listen to my podcast like i definitely strongly advocate for like diverse representation like always and especially with like the black community especially i believe like in upholding their stories and whatnot but it is interesting that when the conversation of oscars so white s- seems to happen people usually only tend to think of oh, well, we're the the black actors and the black actresses. But, you know, there's other groups of people, I feel like, that are being not represented as well. And I think that the lack of Asian voices, like, speaking up ties into the cultural idea that we 
in our community are taught to not speak up. Wow, you know, yeah. it's just like that idea of like, just keep your head down. And, you know, if you just keep showing up for work, your boss will eventually like promote you mm-hmm. or whatnot. But really, that's like not the case. You have to like speak up. And that's why, you know, going back to the Black Lives Matter movement and the idea of the model minority um, within the Asian community, there's a lot of discussion being like, no, you guys, like we really need to like show our solidarity and speak up with the black community. Like we cannot fall into the same pattern that our parents like encourage us to just you know like keep your head down yeah don't cause a ruckus it's not y'all's that problem. sort of thing yeah exactly exactly because and it's also that idea too that like you know no one talks about asians because asians don't speak up mm. there's like that saying that's always yeah people overlook y'all because y'all you know succeed in america so people are like oh asians they're fine they there's nothing wrong with them but mentally there is y'all are going through it mentally nobody (laughs) speaks up come on we're suffering see exactly it's that idea of like suffering in silence (laughs) for real it is it probably came from y'all suffering in silence y'all probably termed that phrase (laughs) (laughs) oh man it's rough oh suffering in silence oh that's so interesting even though I'm not Asian, like I can relate mm-hmm. somewhat to the model minority thing because Nigerians like yeah. have been able to achieve a lot of success here in the United States. Right. But perception is different from what is actually occurring. I feel like you can't see. Well, in some cases you can see Nigerian because I can tell like who's a black American from a uh, Nigerian or Kenyan or whatever. I can tell most okay. of the time I'm right. But you, for most people that you know aren't exposed to Africans, they can't tell the difference between a Black American and Nigerian. So I feel like for me, mm. people might look at an Asian and be like, "Oh, that person's probably good at math." For me, I feel like <laughs> the first thing somebody <laughs> say, "Oh, he's stupid," or like he's black. Oh, no. <laughs> he's black. <laughs> he's he must be dumb. He must not be good at school. You know what I mean? It's like this reverse uh-huh. um, model minority thing where people don't expect you to be smart i feel like the constant needs to prove people otherwise right yeah yeah that's that yeah that's a really good point you make we kind of have like we're on like opposing ends of the spectrum here where it's like people you know stereotypically would expect like oh black people you know they can't do this they can't do this whereas like with asian people on the other end of the spectrum it's like of course they can they're asian Mm -hmm. (laughs) so Mm -hmm. it's like either way you're kind of like oh my god yeah it's hard to meet up the to you know in your case you would like want to defeat the expectation but with asians it's kind of like we 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 can't exist outside of the box of success yeah. and if we don't succeed it's like oof you're a bad asian yeah, she's the lost <laughs> one she's lost or he's lost yeah oh, uh-huh. that's exactly. so interesting because there's pressure on both sides and that is just like you know dripped in stereotypes i guess you know and this episode is kind of like about stereotypes as well and how positive and negative they can be for both groups asians as it is they don't get enough roles in hollywood and once somebody um you know creates a role they whitewash it and cast emma stone to play the character like come on come on that must make you so mad because you must be rooting for asians like whenever you can catch them Oh, yeah, for sure. And like, you know, it's just it's kind of sad to see that they would rather go with. I mean, it, it ties into this idea that white actors and actresses have always had that opportunity. So obviously the pool that you're going to draw from is going to be much larger than the pool of Asian actors and actresses that you have at your disposal at your disposal. Mm-hmm. And I get this idea of like you want to cast a big name, but the reason why you have a white actor actress to to pull from that is a big name is because there was that lack of um 
opportunity for Asian Americans. There was that lack of Asian Americans in general not being exactly. encouraged to go into the field. So it just like always kind of like ties and relates to one another. Mm-hmm. But it's it's kind of sad when, you know, there are a lot of talented Asian actors out there, but you just need to be willing to to give them the shot, especially when it's an Asian role. Yeah. You know what I mean? Honestly, there's so. so many people out there that would be famous. All they need is an opportunity. And let me tell you something. The only thing that separates women of color from anyone else is opportunity. You cannot win an Emmy for roles that are simply not there. To look at Lupita, like there was a role yeah. that opened up for her. There was there was an opportunity created. She took advantage of it. And then now she's a household name. You, you just need exactly. to create the roles, create the jobs for these people. And pe- there will be plenty of people out there that will take advantage of it. The only Asians aren't Lucy Liu and that girl from Straight Off the Boat. And, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> Kristen, yeah. What, what's her name? Sorry, it's so rude. Uh, Constance, Constance Wu. Constance Wu. And those aren't the only Asian actresses in Hollywood. Come on. There's right. so much more. See, in- and that that's the thing, too. It's like once they do find an Asian that is, quote unquote, bankable at the box office or like brought in a lot of ratings, it's like they just keep choosing from the same people. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. You want to extend the opportunity to other, in this case, Asian faces yeah so and i do understand that it's a business and if you have a familiar face you can make more money so i do understand that but the bigger picture is that there's a lot of people that all they need is an opportunity and you'd be surprised what kind of return you'll get when you just decide to take a risk and cast an unknown or do something different for once exactly exactly just got to give people the opportunity but model minority, it is a myth, as Steffi is proving on this episode. <laughs> not everybody can live up to it, and not everybody should be expected to live up to that. Absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah, Steffi, I think, I don't know. Is there anything else you wanted to, <laughs> to add to this topic? Um, I feel like, you know, we we loaded the audience with a lot to digest. Yes. <laughs> I think so, too. And hopefully they got something out of it. I think they did. This was a good episode. I think that people learned a lot. If you didn't know what model minority was, now you know. Yeah, I think this was an interesting episode. And I always want you guys to just learn something new. That's why I like having different guests on, because they each bring something different to the table. Of course, Steffi is different from me. She's a woman. She's Filipino. You know, she's gone through Mm -hmm. stuff that I've never gone through and vice versa. So it always makes for a good episode bringing somebody with a different perspective on the show but Steffi thank you for joining me of course Justin anytime this was fun this was therapeutic yes hopefully to my fellow Asians who are listening out there I did us I did us good and they're like oh embarrassment to the, <laughs> you <laughs> to ruined the our culture. name <laughs> yeah you ruined it for all of us <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I don't feel like that would be the case. I think people would really like this episode. I haven't even edited it yet, and I can tell that this is a good episode. So thank you oh, good, for joining good. me. It's always fun having you on the show. Please come back. <laughs> of course. I know Justin has very high expectations, you guys. Like, if he doesn't like an episode, <laughs> it doesn't come <laughs> does not come out you will not oh god yes like you heard last week if an episode is not good it will never see the light (laughs) of day i just want this to come out when it's ready 
and from me to my fans. <laughs> it won't. Do your do your guests ever like wonder like what happened to the episode we recorded? Are you like straightforward um, forward with them? I'm straightforward for the most part. I don't want to ever come <laughs> off wow. like I'm fake, but I, I'm gonna keep this part in. But yeah, gonna I didn't like an episode that I recorded with somebody, and it wasn't because of them. It was because of me. I didn't plan enough. Um, so the episode I felt like it was all over the place. But um, yeah. I said this is the topics that we're gonna be talking about on next week's episode, and they looked at my story and they're like, hey, I don't remember remember talking about this and I was like oh wait I need to tell this person that I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna end up releasing it and I'm sure they felt bad it wasn't their fault but I might give them a chance to come back and I'll redeem myself and you know be prepared that time but that's what that's happened good. that's 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 good that's good yes. that's really funny that they found out through your story <laughs> that's so shady I'm so, I don't even mean to be shady like maybe I'm just a bad person honestly I just oh. no 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 Jesse you're not a bad okay. person <laughs> <laughs> okay but yeah if this episode is not good guys y'all won't hear it so I only like to get, deliver the best and this episode was worthy of being heard so y'all will hear it next week but or Yes. To whatever day this comes out. <laughs> it's like December. <laughs> right, December. No, this will come out next week. So this is Wednesday. If y'all are listening on Wednesday, y'all are hearing it right now. Um, but yeah, Perfect. Steffi, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Yes, this was fun. This was fun. Do you want to shout out your uh, social medias in case people want to follow you? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay, so if you guys want to follow me, um, you could find me on YouTube. I'm in my humble opinion. And then on Twitter and Instagram, I'm at INN underscore MHO. And then if you want to follow the podcast, it's called Diva Dailies. So, yes. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Y'all listen to her show. It's really good. If y'all love divas. Oh, just No, <laughs> it is good. Like, I'm sure sometimes Steffi feels like I don't like her show, but I listen to it because I feel obligated. <laughs> no, I really do enjoy her show. Like, it's two people always, like, discussing movies in depth. Um, there's multiple segments on there. I feel like there's something for everybody. So, y'all, please do listen to it. I actually enjoy it. I listen every week. I haven't heard this week's episode yet, so I'm not going to be fake and be like, I listen to everyone! Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I haven't heard this week's yet, but I will. And y'all should just try it. See if you like it. There's always something for everybody. Yeah. yeah. I feel like um, of the episodes that we've recorded, I think like a good starting base would probably be that Fresh Prince of Bel-Air episode yes. where we talked about Will Smith. I think that across the board, people have said like that was a really good I one. I like so that hopefully- one. You guys will like that one. <laughs> yes, I like that one. That was like a departure. They did a review of the pilot episode of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I loved it. All the clips, everything. Like, yes. come on. You know, support black <laughs> businesses. <on. laughs> but support POC businesses too, okay? Yes. <laughs> All right. So, y'all, I hope you guys like this episode. It's always a pleasure, you know, coming in y'all's ear holes every week. Okay, that I'm cutting that out. That did not sound... <laughs> I, I, it's... <laughs> That I didn't mean it for it to sound like that, but I'm cutting that out. Anyway, um, thank you guys. It's always a pleasure. I love, you know, releasing episodes each week. Subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend. And as always, I will catch you guys on the next one. Y'all enjoy the rest of your week. Bye.